And the thing is, when you tell a human story, it relates to so many more humans than you think. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I am speaking with Dane Reed, who is a Brooklyn, New York-born voice actor and author based in Atlanta. His voiceover work spans two decades, and his previous book, Dana the Procrastinator, was published in 2008. In his latest book, Forget Having Kids, I'm Having Fun, Dane collects anecdotes from his life and experiences from close friends. Welcome, Dane. Thank you Thank so you. much for being here. Thank you for having me on. I, I see you have your markers, so you are ready to go. You have all the questions. I do. I do. <laughs> Before we dive into the book, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to take the step to write a book about being child-free? You know, the pandemic was one of those things that just inspired a whole lot of things. Um, you know, there were people who who had no ideas before then and they were just locked up in their houses. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Right. And so I have a lot of friends who are parents and they were telling me the things that they were going through with their kids locked up with them. And it's a whole different thing when you have to send your kids to school every day and then the teacher has to deal with them. And I used to I used to teach. So I know. And it's a whole different thing when you send them to, to the school and let the school worry about it. And then, you know, you just pick them up and, you know, hi, how was your day? But when you're locked up in the house with them, you start to figure out that all the things that the teacher was saying about, hey, it's your kid. You're like, yeah, it is my kid. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I'm I'm listening to all of these stories and I'm just, you know, thinking, I'm locked up in my house, but I was alone, you know, and I'm just thinking, wow, glad that's not me. <laughs> so, yeah. So I started I started reflecting on um, my past and me growing up, me working with kids in the school system and me being alone and not having to worry about the complexities, the extra moving parts that are involved in being a parent. And for me, that's something that worked. And, and I, I thought about, you know, even my mental health, my financial health. I mean, there are so many aspects and I just started writing. I've always loved writing. I've always had a passion for writing. And this was just an opportunity. I could sit down for months at a time. It took me six months to write this book and I could just hash out my ideas. During the pandemic, I watched Everybody Hates Chris for the first time. I know it's an old show. It's like 20 years old, but I had never watched that show. And I just kept hearing Chris Rock's voice in my head as I'm writing. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good one, Chris. <laughs> and I had so much fun with this book. I had so much fun writing this book. And the awesome thing is that from the people who have read this book, they had fun as well, you know? So the title of my book, like when I finished it, I was like, forget having kids, I'm having fun. 
it's because I was having fun writing it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of like, it's a play on words. And as you read this book, you, you see a lot of play on words. Yes. you uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had fun, you know, writing this book, you know, there's so much. The title, by the way, was inspired by this book here. I don't know if you can see it. It's by Chloe Hilliard. It's called Fuck Your Diet and Other Things My Thighs Tell Me. And I was like, man, I can't call it, you know, fuck having kids. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, huh, forget having, yeah, forget having kids, you know? So, and uh, she's a comedian and, you know, I listened to part of her audio book and I was like, yeah, this is, you know, all of these inspirations came to me from Chris Rock to Chloe Hilliard's book, from the things that people were telling me about their kids. And like I said, reflecting on working with kids, because I could write a whole book about like working with kids. Yeah, they're hilarious. <laughs> and sometimes in a tragic way, sometimes in, in a Homer Simpson, oh, face palm kind of way. Right. And um, working with them was cool. I sent them home. And then I came home and closed the door, but you know, I didn't want them to follow me. (laughs) Yeah. I worked in the schools for two years and yeah, it was very eye opening. And I relate to a lot of things you expressed already just from your experience working with kids too. But yeah, at the end of the day, you can retreat to your own home and have no kids there. I've had locked the door, you know, there's like four locks you know, sign out there saying no kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I'm curious, when in your life did you know you didn't want to have kids? Um, When I was a kid, there was a small time in my life that I wanted kids. But I realized I was with a woman who wanted kids and she was a great woman. And she sold me on the idea of having kids. But I realized after we broke up that that wasn't my dream. I went back to being who I was before I met her. Um, Mm. I think that anything that you do, you should have passion for. Okay, I I'm a voice actor. I have passion for voice acting. I was um, actually working on a project before I called in. I have a project to work on after this session. I love voice acting. I love traveling. I have a passion for traveling. I look for flights every day. Like literally every day I look for flights because I have a passion for it. And I have a passion for making sure that, you know, kids who are here already, that we help to educate them and to teach them how to think and and to be responsible adults. But I don't have a passion to create my own where every moment and every detail of their lives is outlined by me. I, that's just not my passion, right? Like, you know, there there are habits that are associated with kids and, and things that they do that I just, um, I don't have a passion for 24 hours a day, right? Like, because this is a 24 hour job, right? Like this isn't a, yeah, I think, you know, I think I'll do this for a couple hours and then put it down, right? Like, I could be doing this interview with you and somebody runs in, ah, daddy, like, you know, like, no, I'm on Zoom with Anna. You know, like, <laughs> I don't feel passionate about that. Um, yeah. But the things I feel passionate about, like sitting down and writing this book, I didn't, I didn't watch anything uh, for the most part. You know, while I was doing it, I had watched, you know, the Everybody Hates Chris Pryor, wasn't on social media for for basically six months. 
right? Wow. And this, this was my hobby. When I get into something, I get into it, you know? And I've never gotten into kids where I want to, like I said, bring them home, you know? So I've always known that that just wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those passions you talked about, like travel and those things come through in the book. Like there's a lot of talking about your trips and stuff in here. And and when we connected on Instagram, you were about to like you messaged me, hey, I'm getting on a flight. We went to Aruba. We went to Panama. Then we went to the Keys um, in a week. This month, I'm going to Nicaragua. Next month is El Salvador. The following month, we're um, a buddy and I were going to Turkey and to Berlin. You know, I'm going to Israel this year, we're going to Egypt and Jordan uh, later on in the year. We're going to Kenya. I mean, we're, you know, like, that's what I love doing. I, I love exploring because I can get a chance to meet new people, explore cultures. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Latin America. I've learned Spanish. This book is actually available in Spanish as well. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. I mean... Yeah, I, I I love exploring. That's that's who I am. So, you know, it, it does come across in this book how much I, I love exploring and meeting new people and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that just, it just excites my brain, you know? Totally. I'm curious, like, how did you decide the tone for the book? Yeah, so it was really tough. Like I said, I had gotten the inspiration for watching Everybody Hates Chris, right? And... I started writing the first chapter, which was more serious in the yeah. beginning because I, I wanted to set up the fact that, yes, I'm being funny, but at the same time, I really need to explain some concepts to people that are going to come later on in the book. So you get this more serious tone, more serious, but not completely serious, of course, right, in, in the beginning. But then from there, it was just like, Let's just tell some stories about some crazy life adventures, you know, that have led me to this point. Right. And the more I, I wrote, the more I was just like, yeah, let me tell another one, of you know, because I've, I've experienced a lot of things. I've done a lot of things in my lifetime. Um, I'm completely fortunate for even some of the bad experiences that I've been through. They've been lessons that I've learned from and I poured myself into it the good, the bad. I poured my friends into it. Some of them, you know, I had to change their names so, <laughs> so that, as not to incriminate them, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, I, I, and I told I told our story. And, and the thing is, when you tell a human story, it relates to so many more humans than you think. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. um, I wrote for everyone. I wanted to capture everyone, including parents, right? Because again, it was my parent friends that were telling me stories of things that were happening that I was like, really? I think I'm going to write a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you, for instance, if you go to Amazon and you look at the the reviews, right? Like a lot of parents read the book and were like, yeah, my kid does that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and they're like totally like amused and entertained. And, you know, in our society, everybody's like super aggressive about their opinion. I didn't want to do that. I wanted you to feel good. Right. But also think about whatever your choice was. Right. So while you may have a kid and your kid gets chocolate ice cream all over your couch. Right. And you go, 
I can't believe you. And then you're like, yeah, but that's my baby. Like for some people, that's like the wonders of kids, like that they went and did something that for some people, that's like the horrors of having kids. Right. right. And it all comes down to like how you interpret it. But either way, I, I wanted to tell that story. Right. So I told the story about me breaking my parents' cabinets. You know, <laughs> swinging off of them, <laughs> right? Or getting electrocuted, right? <laughs> I got yeah. electrocuted. <laughs> I make fun of my mom in the in the book about you know how she used to spank me for everything. You know, those are things that parents relate to because yeah, they they have to put the little plastic covers on their outlets so that their kids don't electrocute themselves. You know, yeah. yeah. But but for them, it's like oh, it's just an outlet. You know, for us, <laughs> well, we're like, that outlet is 23 cents. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we look at it. You know, this book's purpose was to bridge the gap between people who have kids and people who don't have kids so that we can have conversations and forge a mutual respect for people's choices. So yeah. whether your choice is chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream, or someone like me who doesn't eat ice cream at all, right? Then we can, you know, please don't cancel me if you're watching this because I don't need ice cream. I haven't had ice cream since I was like four or five years old. That's that's actually the truth, right? Like, I just don't like it, right? But there's somebody in the world who's outraged that I haven't had ice cream in that long. Why? Let's just all talk about it. You could talk about your favorite flavor, Right. And and I could talk about, you know, maybe some natural fruit juice that I like or something. And but we all like something and and we all need to just kind of understand why the other person doesn't like what we like and didn't make the choices that we made, you know, and it doesn't mean that your choice was necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily good either. But it doesn't mean that, you know, that I need to jump on top of you and debate you on as to. Why did you have kids? That makes no sense. You know, for me, that wasn't the best decision. Um, and I don't even think it's a great decision for anybody. Right. But hey, if it does something for you, then it's your right to make that decision. And it's not my right and definitely not my responsibility to uh, argue you down about it. Right. Like we have a whole lot of arguing you down in society right now and yeah we just you know sometimes you just want to have fun when you converse with somebody right like exchange ideas and go about your way and then yeah. you go home and close your door and you'd be like wow he's an idiot <laughs> <laughs> but but when we're around each other right let's you know let's respect each other let's let's right. uh, have some good conversations and engage with each other and learn from each other so that's what this book was all about. That was the whole setting the tone for the book. It just conversation, meeting in the middle, enjoying this. Um, and and then, you know, maybe you put it down, maybe you read it again, pass it on to another friend. But we all just talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, you don't hold back. You put a lot no. of your you put it all out there. You know what? I, I know it seems like that. But there are some things I didn't. Okay, <laughs> okay I believe that. <laughs> some things I couldn't tell you guys. You put a but, lot um, out there. Let I me put say a that. Lot. I did yeah. put a lot. Put a lot and of personal stuff out there. Yeah. Um, 
that's a, a vulnerable thing thoughts. to do because you're putting it out there and and like you're saying i mean people can can think whatever but i think that it's also really a gift that you did that because i think it does help even you know there were moments where i was like what and then <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's a range of emotions but it that even helps the conversation i think expand farther yeah yeah, there's like you said, there's a range of emotions in this book. And um, I even wanted it to be there might have been times that you got the book and you wanted to just throw it against the wall. And then but you wanted to pick it up to find out what happens next. Like that's that's how I wanted this book to be. I wanted it to be very different from other things that I've seen, other books that I've read, not just in the child free space but in in other spaces of book reading. I also thought about how I would deliver it as a voice actor as well, right? So I, I thought about that, like, as I was writing, I'm reading it in the voice that I was going to deliver it, which, again, was inspired from that everybody hates Chris, you know, in my <laughs> ear. Yeah, I wanted people to feel something. If you don't feel anything, I didn't do my job. Yeah. And just like looking at the chapter titles, you did something which I find really brilliant here, which is with the exception of the first chapter, as you said, that one has a more serious tone. So it doesn't follow the format that the following chapters do, but it's like reason number. And then it's just random numbers, like 137. Um, And then you list a reason and then you go into a story in that chapter. And I really enjoyed that. And I just think it's really clever how you did that. Appreciate it. Yeah. You know, the book title, One Thousand Random Reasons, I chose to be hashtag child free. But when you get into it, you're like, where's the thousand reasons? You know, it's just it's like picking from the thousand reasons. Right. And just randomly listing them. Yeah. Yeah. If we all as child free people started, you know, enumerating our reasons, it would come up to a thousand reasons. Definitely. You know, but this is uh, 24 chapters. Um, some of the chapters are meant to be short chapters. You know, some of them are meant to be um, longer, just depending on what I'm discussing. Some of them are just straight silly, like kids have cooties, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although yep. there are some there are some interesting facts that I put in the kids have cooties, right? So I, yeah. even when I'm being silly, I wanted people to know facts and figures, numbers about things as well, right? So this isn't just like yeah, making me laugh, but while making me laugh, I'm slipping in some ideas in there that you you might not have known, you know? Right. That was another thing I was going to bring up is the fact that you did a lot of research to write this book. There's a good reference section in the back from all the research you've done, which I found really impressive. And And then knowing, I didn't know until we jumped on this call that you only wrote this book in six months. And I'm not a writer, but I feel like that's pretty fast to write a book. Yeah. So, um... We had the ideas coming to me, like I said, for months, and I would scribble things down, and then I would do some pre-writing. I happen to be kind of a nerd, so I, I know a lot of little things. Like People are like, how do you know that? And I'm just like, yeah, I just I read things, and I watch YouTube all day and stuff like that, so I collect information and facts about things. So knowing where to get things is kind of easy for me. So I would scribble things down that I already knew. Yeah, according to Pew Research, according to, you know, because these are things that I already heard. So then once I was putting the book together, then I would just I would 
write that in the book and then I go look for it again for where where I found it. So okay. yeah. But there was a lot of pre-writing uh, going on in that time. And then I'd let the creative stuff come through. And and then I'd be like, I wonder if that's true. I don't remember where I got that from. And then I'd go look for it. And yeah. That's really cool. I just really appreciated all the work that you put into this and the points that you drew out and the research that you backed some of your points up with was really, yeah. really well done. I had some good people also helping me with stuff. My girlfriend, editor, um, was excellent and there are a few other people my dad actually he did the third edit even though i i just sent it to him but my dad has been in publishing for a long time so he he just went through and you know me and my dad are very close uh, so he he helped out that's awesome cool yeah. okay can i read some of the lines out of here please, please do all right. So in this chapter, you're making the point, it's chapter two, there's nothing a kid can't break, reason number 137. Yeah. That's one of my favorite chapters. It's a good one. <laughs> this is the one where you're also hanging off the cabinet, right? Yeah. Towards the end of the chapter, you write, handing over your devices to your kids is like handing over your credit cards to Anna Delvey. They're just going to look at you stupidly when you get upset for damage they caused. <laughs> and I love how, I mean, you put so many like references to other ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the Delby uh, on Netflix. And I was so entranced with it. It was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that stuck out to me at that moment. Right. And, and I love you sprinkle stuff like that throughout the book, which makes it really just fun and funny. I love your mm -hmm. sense of humor. Another line I really loved was from chapter three, uh, reason number 430, because shut the fuck up, which is a great <laughs> title. <laughs> That's another really funny chapter, I thought. But you talk about how kids constantly interrupt conversations, which can be so annoying. And you also have this story about it's your cousin's daughter, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And My cousin's daughter, Kiara. Yeah. Know. She's like grown now. It's so funny, you know? She's like 25 or something like that. And she like is in that where kids are asking why and no question can go any farther. She'd be like, well, why? And give her another answer. It's like, well, why? And I was like, Sharon, get your kid. You know, my, my cousin Sharon. Yeah, I, I remember that day. I was driving in my car. We were in Brooklyn and oh my God. But, but she challenged me, right? She she challenged the way that I thought about things to go deeper and to question things, even as an adult, to, to, to not just be satisfied with an answer, but to, to think, well, why did that happen? Well, what triggered that, right? And it's amazing, you know, from the mouth of a babe, as they say, um, uh, that can influence you. Like I said, I, I enjoy interacting with people. I enjoy meeting people and, and learning from people. And it's amazing, even from a child, like I learned something that actually changed my life. Now, I don't want her to be in my house, you know, changing my life. But, you know, but hey, she was in my car for 45 minutes, and, you know, and it, it, it changed my life. Right. So, yeah, yeah. and she's, she's awesome. She's a, a bold young woman now. So, yeah, kudos to her. Yeah, I really loved like all of your humor kind of will culminate in 
in maybe a deeper point throughout the book. And so like you kind of iterated here, it was that idea that she taught you how to question. Um, and you even say in the yeah. book, she changed your life. And I just thought that was a really, really cool to yeah. be able to have the funny, but also have these deeper yeah. threads yeah. in there. Really well done. So I read this and I, I mean, it's a quick read. I think I read it in two sittings. It could have been one, but just the way time shook out, it was two. And the way you end the book seems very, I think, intentional. The ending can be shocking. The mm -hmm. ending um, can even be a little polarizing. Yeah. Um, the point was that what I learned from the ending and how the ending ultimately kind of solidified why I was there in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of brings it full circle to where you start right. the book. Right. Yeah. I, I just thought that was really, really interesting. And, and you know, there were parts where I was like, yeah. how is this happening? Like something that you would see in a movie, like <laughs> it was my real life. Yeah. yeah. And because we're not going to go too far into it, I guess I'll save some okay. of my other questions. Watching, we want you to read this, right? So you know, it's, it's, but definitely get to the end, and it's like, wow, you know, my my friends who I had lunch with recently, they were both like, I had no idea that about that, you know, happening, you know, all at a time when I'm just graduated college, and yeah, you know, it's 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 crazy, yeah. You know, my perspective, thinking of the the other people involved and what they were going through too is kind of brings out a lot of like, whoa, compassion and empathy for them. But yeah, that's just to be cryptic, not give too much away. Yeah. <laughs> so having gone through the experience of writing this book, were there things that you had to take out? And were there yeah. some that you're like, oh, I wish that could have stayed in, but like it just didn't fit? Or were, what were some of the best things you took out? There are two chapters that I start off talking about Forrest Gump, um, because Forrest Gump is one of my favorite movies. And in Forrest Gump, there, you know, there's the part where he was just running and people were following him. And so I felt like that while I was writing the book. I felt like I was writing and people were coming along with me. And then at one point, I just said, I just need to stop, right? Because this is enough. I'm tired now, you know? And I thought that if you didn't get the point by then, then you just wouldn't get it. I didn't need to say anything else. Of course, in the editing process, there were times that my editor was like, nah, man, you're going too far. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put this in a book. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, um, I think I effectively communicated all the points that I really wanted to make. You got the gist, even if there was a line or so, or, or a paragraph or so that we edited out, mm -hmm. you understood where I'm coming from. You know, you understand how I think and you get a, a healthy dose of my experiences and, the wild and crazy things that my friends have been through. There were definitely parts that, you know, I edited out, but you get it, you know? Right. Yeah. So having written this and kind of reflecting on, I mean, a lot of this takes place 
in your your younger years, right? Kind of your 20s. My early 20s, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how was it to revisit those experiences and how has your perspective changed or shifted? So some of the habits that I had continued into my um, early 30s as well. Um, so my story didn't exactly end right there, but I think definitely traveling has changed my perspective on things and has helped grow me a lot. And then just like you said, reflecting on things like you say, Ooh, that was close. And you leave that alone and, and then you grow a little more. And, and that was also another thing, people helping people to understand, like you can grow from your experiences, the, the negative ones, the, the positive ones, some things that you had fun doing then you don't necessarily want to repeat and do now. Yeah. So it was, it was tough at some points. The Anthony Bourdain um, chapter was tough for me, reflecting on a uncle who I lost and, and, you know, watching him pass. That was, that was tough for me. Even um, this story about Anthony Bourdain, who, you know, was also um, uh, inspiration to me from a, from a celebrity perspective. And I don't, necessarily have a lot of you know inspirations from celebrities that regular people just like us but it was actually the regular people in him that that inspired me as well and so you know thinking about that and thinking about growing up suffering from depression uh, myself you know so I do talk about mental health issues in this and and suicide and and stuff like that I mean yeah those those chapters the later chapters I think, were tougher for me because uh, it gets, my book gets progressively more serious towards the later chapters as I tell harder stories, you know, that happen in the way that I think about things. And, you know, I even uh, say at one point, if there was, um, I shouldn't have basically fought so hard to beat out the other sperm. I should have let them win. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I remember that line. But yeah, you know, I touch on basically the the principle of antinatalism uh, through that idea, you know, again, without being too harsh with people and beating them in the head with a concept that they may not be ready to hear at that moment, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's emotional at some points. And also, I talk about my brother in the book, uh, yeah. Julian, who passed away recently. That's really hard. My brother hadn't seen his daughter for eight years. And every time we spoke to him, that's what he reflected on. He wasn't allowed to see his daughter. The court ruled that he could see his daughter. And then his daughter's mother basically left the jurisdiction of the court so that she could basically flout the orders of the court. And he spent close to $100,000 trying to just see his daughter. And uh, so, and the next time that his daughter and him were in the same room was when he passed away at 50 from a heart attack. And so those stories are, you know, are, are hard for me. My brother wasn't just my brother, but he was my friend. You know, he was my close yeah. friend. Yeah. And I'm sorry for your loss of your brother uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could rewind the clock, would you do anything differently? Oh, yeah. I do a million things differently. So the book starts off talking about the experience of having a vasectomy. I would have had a vasectomy way 
earlier in life. There are a bunch of men who are now going and having vasectomies in light of what's going on with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I'm proud of those those men for taking responsibility um, in, in a place and time when even birth control is under attack for women. As men, we don't have very many options. Uh, so, you know, abstinence is one which, you know, seems completely ludicrous for most of us. Um, <laughs> so um, condoms, you know, I, I joke about condoms, but it's kind of true, right? There's this little secret, like once you're really with your partner, most people don't use condoms. And so there's one option left, unless you're just really good at rolling off, which I used to think that I was, right? And I would have had a vasectomy sooner. I think some of the other things that I learned, I wouldn't have learned had I not experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, I could take from other people's stories, but some of those would still be tragic. So I could say why me, but life is about why me and why not me at the same time. So I think from the experiences that I've had, I can take them and I can share them with other people and hopefully that they can say, hey, okay, yeah, not me, you know, from that. So I think I would take back some things, but there are other things that I would keep. Yeah. And I think you mm -hmm. make such a great point that like the lessons helped you get to where you are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if it's on the back of this book or on the website, but you talk about how this is like kind of a first of its kind male perspective of yeah. being child free. And yeah. I'm curious, why do you think that is? So um, from from the book perspective, I did do research to see if there were other men in this space, this writing a book space, right? And so what I found were textbooks in this space written by men who basically encourage other people to have children um, who are kind of judgmental uh, towards women who don't have children. So I found a lot of that. I found people who wrote things from a Christian perspective, for instance, mm -hmm. which I don't knock, but I also think that it doesn't encompass the wide range of thoughts that we all may have. So I didn't see it in that. Um, of course, there is uh, Jay Zygmunt's book, right. right? And he talks about things from um, from a wealth perspective, which I think is very much needed. But I don't think that it encompassed the kind of uh, perspective that I bring things from, um, talking about experiences, ideas and concepts. I, I know that there's a great amount of research in that book as well. And, and I think that book has its place, but I wanted to bring just this all-encompassing kind of idea from a male perspective, not just, you know, s s just one perspective, or I wanted to bring it all and kind of tie it in. Yes, here here's the money, here's the good and bad experiences, here's the uh, relationship stuff, right? So that, you know, you know, people get into relationships thinking that they're going to last forever. And so if I, if my relationship lasts forever, then we can have kids, but then it doesn't work out. And then I'm tied to you. Right. And then that ties in from a 
financial perspective as well, right? So I wanted to bring all of these books, these podcasts, these um, these videos, or everything that I've seen, and just kind of pull it all together in a place that we can all talk about it. So I hadn't seen that, definitely not from a male perspective. So that's that's the book. Why do I think men are not talking about this? I don't I don't want to, you know, speak badly too much about some of my male counterparts, but I think a lot of times the perspective that we come from is that we're workers, right? We we go to the job and we punch the clock, we're accountants, we're we're laborers, we're we're everything where we bring home the bacon, but then we leave the bacon on the kitchen counter for women to cook it and to feed it to the children and to make a plate for us. And we we put our feet up and we're, you know, we we we're tired and everything like that. So I think for men, we don't look at children from the perspective of raising them. We look at the them from a perspective of providing for them. And as long as we're in the workplace, we're earning a living, the children are, and and the family is comfortable at home, we think that we have done our job. But of course, society has changed greatly. And so women are also bringing home the eggs, right? So (laughs) she's brought the eggs, he's brought the bacon, but she's still expected to cook the, the eggs and the bacon and serve to the entire family. So I don't think that we're having those conversations because I don't think that we've caught up with the progress in society in a lot of ways. We we often look at children as our lineage. Mm. Um, we often look at our involvement with children from a hobbyist perspective. And so we don't always, and of course this is not everybody, but this is a large number of people we don't always engage in all of the hard work that's involved, all of the you know day-to-day activities. And, and we're often not the ones who are cleaning up the chocolate ice cream from the couch, right? Bringing yeah, it, right. you know, tying it all back in. So I, I think that's the reason why we don't have these conversations because our positions, our involvement is often just a monolith. So I I think that's the reason why. Yeah. Well, thank you for being someone to step forward and and write this book and share that perspective. I'm I'm really grateful that you read the book as an artist, right? So I'm I'm a voice guy, but I'm an artist. I don't want people to just buy the book. I really want them to appreciate it. You know, I want you to I want you to buy it. Listen, I want the money. cost a lot of money to put this together. I had an incredible editor, but he was, you know, pricey. And I had an incredible editor with the audio book as well. But all of that adds up. So I do want the money. But I, as an artist, I really want people to appreciate the art and the thought that I, that went into doing this project. I made it easy to even like finding the book is childfreebook.com. Yeah, I was just going to say, where can people go to to get it? But there it is. And it takes you right to the Amazon page. Definitely after you read it, 
please, please, please leave a review. I'm I'm so grateful for the people who have left reviews. Yeah, well, well deserved. And congrats on Thank that. Thank you. So Thank this you. is your second book. Is there going to be a third? Is it too soon to talk about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, I have some ideas. I have some ideas. I'm not sure that I'm going to do it. Um, it, it just, it's one of those things where it's like, you just have to feel it again. You have to be passionate about it in that moment and say, I want this more than I want to watch this Netflix series or, you know, so yeah, I just have to feel it. And once I, I feel it, then I will sit down and focus on just that for maybe another six months. So we'll see. It may be years because it's been years between my children's book and this. It's 15 years, I think. Right. So, yeah, maybe when I'm 60. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> we'll I'll be write on a book on young whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I had a rotary phone, those yep. tough times. Yeah. It was like 30 seconds to dial someone's number. Yeah. And that's if you like didn't mess up. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. If you messed up, you had to hang up. And then and you, that thing had to slide all the way back. Yep. And then you start over. And it was it was heck because it was hell because when I lived in New York and we all had 212 when I was born. And then, you know, Brooklyn and uh, and Queens and Staten Island broke off into 718. And so we had to to call Manhattan. We had to start with the one. Right. Yep. Right. So it was one, two. <laughs> What I mean, it was like by the time you got the person, you forgot what you were calling about. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Remember those days, these kids, these kids wouldn't survive. No. <laughs> so yeah, so all right, you young whippersnappers, that'll be my next book. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm gonna look for that. I'll be old enough, you know. When when the denture, when I gotta get the dentures, then it's like okay put my teeth in and just start writing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Dane, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Where can people, so we've, we've got your book. I'll have your, um, your link to the book in the show notes. Are there other links as well for people to find you or connect with you that you'd like to mention? You want to find some great voiceover work. I do that too. Um, DaneReadMedia.com. Awesome. I will be sure to put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again for oh, taking the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. This is how we reach more people. And in doing so, that's how we break the stigma. I would really appreciate your support in that and helping this podcast reach more listeners. And if you're someone who is struggling with any aspect of your child-free life, head over to my website and book your free clarity call. We'll talk about how you can start living your best child-free life with intention and purpose today.